Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is now September the 6th, 2023. The Orioles are 87-51 and 51 on the season after pulling out a rabbit out of their collective hats in a 10-inning game with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, etc. on Tuesday night. The Orioles are now 1-41 and 41 when trailing a game heading into the ninth inning, which I think is kind of remarkable given their frequent comeback wins this year. But no, last night's was the first game they won after trailing heading into the ninth. Despite that, if you did stay up to the end, as I did, it was probably a game that made you grumpy even with the win. The Orioles, of course, did get a ninth-inning miracle comeback, and that still wasn't enough for them to win it in regulation. The Orioles ended up blowing a 2 to nothing lead. They fell behind 3-2 to two in the eighth inning, stormed back in the ninth, starting with an Adam Frazier blooper that snuck fair down the left field line as it fell out of reach of three different fielders. Ryan McKenna delivered a game-tying hit. Ryan O'Hearn, a go-ahead hit that, for the moment, looked like it might be his 11th game-winning RBI of the season. But then D.L. Hall was called upon for a save, and after getting two outs, there were a couple men on base. He had an 0-2 count against fellow lefty batter Mickey Moniak, and he couldn't close it out, gave up the game-tying hit. But uh, Joey Crable was able to come in and close out the inning Send it to extras. You never know what you're going to get in extra innings with the Manfred man or the zombie runner, if you prefer, starting automatically on second base. As long as something crazy doesn't happen, you get three chances to score a guy who's already in scoring position. Gunnar Henderson succeeded in advancing the runner 
with his um, plate appearance. And then Jordan Westberg delivered a high chopper ground out that was able to score the zombie runner. So then the bottom of the 10th inning, Shinjiro Fujinami came right into the same situation to take his own stab at a save. Several Orioles relievers had already faltered in the game. Of course, we had to sweat because the start of the first batter, Eduardo Escobar, flew out to center field. The zombie runner advanced to third. Fujinami being himself a wild pitch to score uh, the tying run would not have been a surprise in any way. Neither would a walk-off home run hit by whatever Angels batter was at the plate. But the Orioles drew the infield in. Fujinami got a strikeout for the second out and then another strikeout to finally end the game and get his second save of the year. So again, after that win, the Orioles, they are 36 games over 500. They kept pace with the Rays on Tuesday night. They, uh, The Tampa Bay Rays walked off the Red Sox in extra innings earlier on Tuesday. Annoying because the Red Sox themselves took an extra inning lead. And um, closer Kenley Jansen was not able to do the Orioles a solid and finish off their Rays. So still a three-and-a-half game AL East lead for the Orioles, which is the longest lead that they have had in the division so far this year. So, you know, that's cool. The magic number is 21 to clinch the American League East. It is 14 to clinch any kind of postseason spot at all. Again, as a reminder, that is a combination of Orioles wins or for the AL East raise losses or for any postseason spot, Blue Jays losses. So every time the Orioles win, the number goes down. Every time the Jays lose, the clinch anything number goes down. Every time the Rays lose, the clinch the AL East number goes down. The Orioles are on pace for 102 wins, 102 wins. They already have 87 wins here on September the 6th. And I was thinking about this while I was uh, laying awake, unable to calm down and go to bed last night. Um... The uh, there's there have only been six seasons in my life. Reminder, I was born after the World Series in 1983. Six Orioles seasons where they've won more games than they have won this year. And they've still got 24 games left to play. So, and by the way, with two more wins, they're going to have exceeded all but three Orioles teams from 1984 through to right now. That is a lot of years of Orioles baseball Many of them were not so good, and even some of the ones you maybe remember fondly were nowhere near this good, which is really amazing. I am grumpy about last night's game, and honestly, still kind of Monday night's game, uh, but that is simply amazing. It's it's wonderful. It's all the more amazing because this season was not predicted to be this great, I think maybe if you were really optimistic about the prospects, you might have thought, okay, maybe the 2024 Orioles are going to come in and rip off this kind of performance. And, you know, it's happening a year early. Some of the players we wanted to be great prospects are here and contributing. Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson. In the second half of the season, Grayson Rodriguez certainly has uh, played a key role. And that's good, but that's definitely not the wave I think we were all imagining. So it's like, you know, why is it so hard to believe in these Orioles and that they are this good? Now, I don't want to speak for you. Maybe you do believe you don't have any problems. And if that's the case, then 
I am glad you can believe in these guys, uh, despite watching them night in and night out, squeak out a bunch of wins that, you know, it should have been easier, right? The, 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 the two games they've played against the Angels should have been easier. And I mean, I guess some of it is like just what I was talking about with wins totals, right? My, ex- my lived experience as an Orioles fan, nearly 40 years of life, is that the Orioles are not a team that does this. And part of that, you know, the recent tanking area, era was really bad. But also, I mean, 1998 to 2011 consecutive losing seasons, right? And you add into that, the Orioles are quote unquote, not supposed to be here yet. They've got a roster with mostly players who have not been consistently good at the major league level before, right? They don't have a track record of doing this. Um, Some of them, you know, like Gunnar Henderson or even rookies with no track record at all. And really, you know, the first two games of this Angels series are a good demonstration of this, right? The offense was not able to do that much against a spot starter, Kenny Rosenberg, on Monday, who was a former minor league Rule 5 draft pick, which generally doesn't matter at all. And then last night, when they were facing starting pitcher Reed Detmers, who had a 5-plus ERA for the season, they only scored two runs in the six and two-thirds innings of the game that Detmers was pitching. And both of those runs were enabled by, first, a poor throw to home plate, and then uh, a bobble in the outfield by former well, recent Orioles nemesis, Randall Grichuk. And after that, you know, it was as if the Orioles got overconfident on the bases. Uh, You had Ryan Mountcastle getting thrown out, trying to go first to second on a fly ball hit to left to Grichuk. It was as if they thought Grichuk was going to mess up everything. And then the third base coach had a play where he sent Austin Hayes running home to get thrown out by a mile on a base hit. Both of these things uh, stifled could have been really game break open a game rallies and instead they got squashed. And so then you had, you know, the pitchers facing a sad angels lineup. That's even sadder without Shohei Otani in it, as he's missed the first two games of the series due to an oblique makes me feel like he will also miss the third. But as of this recording, I have no idea. Dean Kramer against that lineup could not even finish five innings. He came out after four and two thirds issued four walks in the fifth inning Then he did get a comebacker up the middle that probably should have been the third out, but Kramer made a mental mistake. He took a stab at it, uh, couldn't come away with it, deflected the ball away from uh, the defense behind him, who probably would have made the play that loaded the bases. CNL Perez did fortunately come in to face lefty Mike Moustakas, who probably, well, I don't want to speak for you again, but he still haunts me as every member of the 2014 Royals will forever Perez closed the door in that inning. I think the short Kramer start burned the Orioles in like every late inning of the game. Jorge Lopez had to pitch in the seventh. He stumbled. You know, he was probably only in the game in the seventh because all relievers were getting shuffled since Yenier Cano was unavailable after pitching the two previous nights. Lopez was not able to deliver although he allowed two runs, although one of them was actually inherited by Danny Kalum, who did get burned in the left-left matchup by Moustakas with uh, what was a game-tying hit. So that was annoying. Eighth inning, Orioles had a chance to take the lead back themselves. Anthony Santander got a leadoff double in that inning. 
Then you had Hayes and Henderson both struck out, couldn't even get him to third base. Jordan Westberg grounded out to end it. And that was all against an Angels reliever, Aaron Loop, with a 5.74 ERA. So tie game heading to the bottom of the eighth. Jacob Webb trying to get some revenge against his former team. Well, he gave up a triple to Eduardo Escobar. Maybe it should have been a double because Aaron Hicks was really slow getting to the ball all the way in the corner, fetching the ball and throwing the ball in. I think that having Aaron Hicks in an outfield corner is possibly going to be not so good for the Orioles for that exact reason. He doesn't have the speed he used to, and maybe he's not even at 100% after his injury list stints. I don't know. Webb then got burned by Trey Cabbage. And by the way, the, the OPS of these players, Escobar, a 626 OPS going into the game. Trey Cabbage, 553 OPS. Should have been able to put those guys away. He didn't. And so the Orioles ended up trailing heading into the ninth. They did pull off the miracle comeback despite then giving up the uh, tying run in the ninth. They were able to win in extra innings. And all of those things are good. And still, you know, it was agonizing. It was agonizing to watch that all play out. And I do have some more thoughts on this exact topic, but I'm going to take a brief pause for a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so let's get back to it. And really, so like, I guess the the thing is, as I watch games like the Monday and Tuesday games against the Angels series, like... It almost becomes um, a little uh, unpleasant to think about what the Orioles are almost certain to be facing in the postseason, right? They're going to be probably facing stacked rotations or at least much better rotations. And we know from 
the 2014 American League Division Series. It doesn't matter if you line up three Cy Young winners in a five-game series. You might still lose. Of course, you can't count on facing a bullpen as bad as the 2014 Detroit Tigers bullpen was uh, this postseason either. You maybe can't count on uh, facing weak lineups either. And so, you know, what are the Orioles going to do against these better teams, right? If they win the AL East, they're probably going to face the winner of the Rays and AL West second place um, wild card. That's what it looks like it's going to be if the Orioles win the division. If the Orioles lose the division, they themselves are likely to face the second place team in the AL West, then in a best of three that will at least be hosted at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. At this exact moment, that would be the Seattle Mariners, against whom the Orioles went 4-2 and two this year, so that's good. But, you know, they also uh, lost a couple games, and they did not score very many in the games that they did win. So those could have very easily flipped another way, right? I mean, really, we've seen the Orioles win plenty of games against good teams this year, not just the Mariners. You know, they've got the season series against a number of quality opponents. They only need to win one more game in the coming crucial four-game set against the Rays to seal the season series against that team. And that's great, right? But at the same time, there is no hiding that their results in pretty much every category you can measure, except for the win column, are more pedestrian. They've got a team OPS of 747. That is only eighth among all American League competition. The team ERA of 4.03 is also eighth among American League competitions. So you look at that, and you've got a team that collectively is a middle-of-the-pack offense, collectively a middle-of-the-pack pitching staff or defense for run prevention, and still they are 87 and 51. So again, on this show, I've talked about the Pythagorean expected win-loss record of what you get based on your runs scored versus your runs allowed. The Orioles record there is 79 and 59, which we would all be mighty happy with that if that was just what the Orioles were based on the recent past of the Orioles, right? Nobody would think, okay, that's a disappointment because that would still be blowing past last year's uh, pace where they won 83 games. And so that wouldn't feel so bad, right? But since they're here at 87 wins, then now you look at that and it's like, well, they, they're quote unquote lucky by eight wins. That is a lot. It's a lot to hold that over a full season. And it's you. I think about that and it's like, well, when is that luck going to run out? Is it going to run out here in September, have them fall short of the division? Or, you know, is it going to be it runs out in the postseason? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it won't. You might look at that luck and say your answer is Orioles magic. That's how they can do it. I will just note that the 1979 Orioles team that is credited with birthing Orioles magic, they won 102 games and their Pythagorean, they were supposed to win 98. So they were lucky by four wins, a mere four wins. That team, they had the fifth best uh, team OPS in the American League and the absolute best ERA of any American League team that year. They were an elite team at run prevention. Of course, they had five good starting pitchers, future Hall of Famer Jim Palmer, uh, Mike Flanagan. You had uh, Dennis Martinez. You had Steve Stone. All of those guys, um, they were all great, good to great. You had five relievers who mostly got the job done, and that included 
the infamous Don Fulpak Stanhouse, who, by the way, issued 55 walks in 72 and two-thirds innings. So no wonder they called him Fulpak. Like, even aware of that nickname, when I looked up his season stats to talk about him a little bit, my mind was kind of blown. But they did it. They won 102 games. And these same Orioles right now are on pace to win 102. So we'll see if they can do it. The 2023 Orioles, by the way, do have something the 1979 Orioles do not because they have more consistent offensive starters, I think, than the 79 team did. In 1979, six of the nine regular players were below average by their OPS+. plus. The 2023 Orioles only have two such players who are the regulars who are regular starters who are below that average. That's Adam Frazier and Jorge Mateo. And it's tr- the, the, the 79 Orioles, of course, had an advantage in their bench because they could have a bigger bench because back then you carried fewer pitchers on the staff and that team uh, really made use of the bench. Of course, the infamous uh, Gary Renneke, John Lowenstein platoon was part of what was going on that year. But also on the bench were guys like Terry Crowley, lucky to be in baseball, Benny Ayala, and maybe a couple guys you don't think about as much, Billy Smith, Pat Kelly. Both of these guys were quality uh, reserve options, and that's good. The 2023 Orioles bench, eh, not as quality, although uh, having Ryan O'Hearn and Aaron Hicks has worked out okay so far. And, you know, hopefully that can continue to do so. But I think maybe another reason it's hard to absorb that the Orioles has uh, offense does have as much quality as it does is really there are a number of majorly streaky guys, I think, who, although they are all currently performing well for the season, they've all had prolonged cold stretches this year. And that, that set of players for me is Ryan Mountcastle, Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander, and unfortunately, Cedric Mullins also has really had some cold stretches. And it's like contemplating something like a short postseason series, which, by the way, it is awesome that it is uh, the day or two days after Labor Day. And we can already almost certainly think about some kind of postseason series. That is amazing compared to the Orioles, really, of my entire lifetime, only even... um, even in 2014 or the wire to wire 1997 Orioles, you couldn't quite be already counting playoff chickens this early. Um, and so you think about, I think about a series where they're playing, you know, best of five, best of seven, or even if they're less fortunate with the division, best of three, like any one, I think of Mountcastle Hayes or Santander is fully capable of going on a heater and almost single-handedly winning any any series the Orioles might play in the month of October this year. But it's also possible that you could have, like, those three guys play a four, you know, if the Orioles lose a best of five in four games and Mountcastle, Hayes, and Santander are something like uh, a combined uh, two for 16 or, you know, three for 20 or something like this. Uh, it, it wouldn't be shocking as an outcome because all of those guys have had stretches where they were like that this year. And it could happen against better postseason pitchers, better postseason defenses, defenses that are able to be, uh, and, you know, and, you know, pitching game plans that are able to be more specifically keyed towards a playoff series against the specific Orioles hitters. 
So, I, I mean, what's going to happen? I don't know. It's a problem for a month from now. It's, all, it's uh, a magic number of 14 with 24 games to play to clinch anything is pretty comfortable. The Orioles, it should only be a matter of time. And, you know, hopefully they can start to conti- or continue to peel numbers off that magic number starting later tonight. Before I close, you know, I'm going to try and make myself and maybe you in turn feel at least a little bit better about the pitching staff, because the fact is some of the Orioles ERA for the season is inflated by pitchers who are not on the roster anymore and almost certainly will not be part of any October or even rest of September plans for the Orioles. For instance, Austin Voth just got designated for assignment. He has a 5.19 ERA across 34 and two thirds innings this year. Keegan Aiken on the 60-day injured list, a 6.85 ERA across 23 and two-thirds. To a lesser extent, somebody like Logan Gillespie, a 6 ERA in nine innings. Or all of Michael Givens, Reed Garrett, and Edward Bizzardo, ERAs in the double digits for ranging between two and six outings. So the Orioles pitchers who are going to be fighting for the division and pitching in October are not these guys. Now, of course, the Orioles are not going to have Felix Bautista either. Still no formal word about what's going on with him. They're waiting for the inflammation to go down. But, I mean, I don't expect good news, so don't count on him. So we're going to have to count on, uh, really, as we did in Tuesday night's game, some or all of Shintaro Fujinami, Jacob Webb, D.L. Hall, and Jorge Lopez. And we're going to have to hope that some of these guys can find something down the stretch. Three of the four of those guys came up short on Tuesday night. The fourth did get the save, even with a man already starting on second base. So thank you, Fujinami. As for tonight's game with the Angels, it is really the toughest on paper matchup for the series. So it's good the Orioles already won the first two and guaranteed a series win because uh, tonight, Kyle Gibson, a five plus ERA, he will be facing a decent Angels starting pitcher, Patrick Sandoval. 4.19 ERA for the season, which when running that through the league-adjusted and park-adjusted ERA plus stat, it's a 109 ERA plus. That is roughly Tyler Wells' caliber for season. And, you know, if uh, if you were going up against a Tyler Wells' caliber pitcher, you probably wouldn't feel too great about your team's chances. So again, it's good the Orioles won the first two. And by the way, the Red Sox facing the Rays on Wednesday night. Well, the Rays are sending out Tyler Glass now, who has a 3.17 ERA, while Red Sox starting pitcher is Nick Pavetta, 4.49 ERA for the season. So again, we cannot count on any help from the Boston Red Sox in either holding or expanding the Orioles' three-and-a-half game lead in the American League East. So Orioles, find a way, just win, baby. That's what we need. Our mailbag today was empty. If you have any topic or question you would like to have discussed or answered in a future episode, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who has written a message in so far. That's all that I've got for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a rating or review and tell an Orioles fan in your life about the show. New episodes will be out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will be back with you on Friday morning, hopefully with another good Orioles win to talk about between now and then. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's!